All right, so I'm sitting here on my day off watching Netflix, just trying to find something interesting to keep my attention. And then I watched The Invitation on Netflix. Holy shit. I don't know if I've told y'all this before, but I am an absolute movie and film nerd, honey. If you want to figure out exactly what to watch and what to watch next, I'm the gal to ask. If you need a review on something, I've probably seen it. If there's a comic book out there that is to be read, I've probably read it. If there's a book, I might have skimmed through it. And I am the queen of Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus and Amazon Prime. Oh, and absolutely HBO recommendations. So let's actually get into our first one of 2020. This is actually an old movie, but I don't care. It's the first time I watched it. It's new to me. And lately I've been into like these kind of in your mind game thriller type of things. So just to kind of give you an idea what I'm talking about. I just got finished watching you season two and I'm absolutely in love with it. Like this is, I'm into those type of things right now. Like I like my gone girls. I like anything that keeps me on the edge of my seat. Anything that makes me have to think about what's about to happen next. I love stuff like that. So lately I've been watching a lot of like thriller, suspenseful, sometimes scary movies. I've been noticing there's a, a trend into the things that I'm watching is that it's either mass, but, but you know what? Let me like give it away. Let's talk about the actual invitation itself. I think this came out actually a few years ago. So we're going to pull it up on Wikipedia. Yes. 2015. So the invitation is a 2015 American horror thriller film di- directed by Karen. Oh, I'm going to mess this up. Karen Kusama and written by Phil Hay and Matt Manfred. The film stars Logan Marshall Green, Tammy Blanchard, Michael Hu- Huisman. Okay. And it premiered March 13, 2015 at South by Southwest Film Festival. This is a really, really good movie. So just to kind of give you guys, if I could sum this up in like one little snap sentence, I would say a slow burn thriller. That's the only thing that I can, that I can think. It's the best Best way to describe this, a slow burn thriller edge of your seat in a practical, I don't know how to feel sort of way. All right, so let's read what this plot is all about. Let's kind of look at the casting. Again, this is something that was released at South by Southwest. It wasn't anything that had like major, major movie buzz. And I think this is perfect for this type of film. It's more of like an indie film you can tell the the entire thing is shot in one complete location if I didn't say this already I'm sorry um spoiler alert spoil super duper spoiler alert I'm gonna tell you everything that happens in this movie so you have been warned this is one of those like you can tell it's like an indie film the entire movie pretty much happens in one location And the entire movie happens around a dinner party. And there's about, I think, 10 people. Two, four, six, eight. Yeah, yeah. I think there's literally exactly 10 people in this movie. 
and the entire cast is all the guests at the dinner party. And again, if you like those thrillers, those in your mind types of where you don't know really where to look or what to be scared of or the thing that you're scared of keeps changing, this is the perfect type of movie for you. And there's no, there's no real, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no real jumps in this movie, right? Again, it's not a horror movie. There's not ghosts or poltergeists. And that's, those are the best types of thrillers or suspenseful movies. The ones where you feel like, oh, this can absolutely happen in real life. This could, this has probably happened to me, or this may happen to me, or I've heard about this happening for real to somebody else. This is one of those types of, sh of movies where you could absolutely see this happening. And that's what's so scary about it is because you, you may have been in a situation like this, or you may can see how you can be in a situation like this. And nothing about that, nothing about that is comforting. Everything about this movie is completely unnerving from when it starts to when it stops. And when I say the ending, oh, <laughs> the ending, oh, let me not give y'all just hype, 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 right? Let me tell y'all what the movie is all about. So in this movie, we're following Will. Will drives with his new girlfriend, Kira, to the Hollywood home, Hollywood Hills home of his ex-wife, Eden, who is hosting a dinner party with her new husband, David. Will and Eden divorce, trying to cope with their young son, Ty's accidental death. That's like a really, really big theme in the movie. Eden met David at a grief support group and their party will be the first time any of their friends have seen the couple in over two years. On the way to the party, Will Mercy kills a coyote after striking it with his car. Will and Kira arrive. David and Eden's other dinner guests are Tommy, Tommy's boyfriend, Miguel, and friends Ben, Claire, and Gina. Gina mentions that her boyfriend, Choi, is running late. Eden introduces Sadie, a girl she and David met while in Mexico, who is now staying with them. Throughout the evening, Will wanders his former home alone and relives memories related to Ty's death, including Eden's attempted suicide. In the kitchen, Will witnesses Eden slap Ben while he's making a joke about her new age ideas on expelling pain. Eden and David's friend Pruitt arrives. Will notice that, that David locked the front door. Will later goes for firewood and Eden spies and Will, excuse me, spies Eden hiding a pill bottle through her bedroom window. Let's kind of pause there. And this is literally like the, the plot um, on Wikipedia. Let's kind of stop there because that's a lot, right? That's pretty much like half the movie. And again, this movie, you start off with Will and Kira, this young, nice, cute couple they look stressed and they're on their way to a dinner party. And you're like, well, you're on your way to a dinner party with friends. Like, what could be stressful about this? You don't know as the audience exactly why they know that this dinner party is going to be uncomfortable. Aside from the fact that Will got invited by her. Is this going to be weird? They just keep talking about that. Is this going to be weird? Oh, it's not going to be weird. You know, we're just going to go. We haven't seen them in a while. You know, maybe things have changed. Maybe people have changed. You don't know exactly what to feel, but you know that they're walking into an uncomfortable situation. If you looked at like the trailer or read any materials about the movie, then you kind of know why. The reason why it's called The Invitation is because this invitation was being sent from Will's ex-wife, Eden, and her new husband. And they're being invi invited to the dinner that's going to take place at the house 
that Will and Eden used to live in when they were married. And that's all you know at this point. So then you figure out, all right, we're on our way to a dinner party with his ex and his ex's new boo at y'all old house. (laughs) So yeah, uncomfortable. On the way there, they end up hitting something and it looks like a dog. It's a wolf. Turns out it's a coyote. And this animal is in pain. It's writhing. I mean, they just hit it with a car, just full on hit it with a car. And so he grabs a tire iron and for lack of a better term, puts the coyote out of its misery. So again, an uncomfortable, solemn thing happening on the way to an uncomfortable dinner. But that's important. It seems kind of odd and out of place, but everything about this movie is, is there purposefully. So them hitting that coyote and him putting that coyote out of its misery is going to be a huge pull-out point a little bit later. They arrive at the dinner party and you as the audience already feels like, oh, this is kind of weird. <laughs> That's your ex. She looks cute. And when she introduces the new boo, the new boo is kind of like, <laughs> you ever date somebody and you meet the new person that they're dating now and you're like, oh, they look just like me. Oh, <laughs> like, it's kind of like that. Like if you lined up, like you can tell how people have a type because if you line up all the people that they dated, they all kind of look similar. This is how that is. So the new guy, David, is introduced and we are looking at everything from Will's point of view, Will's perspective. And Will is just over it. He's like, you know, Eden's all happy and go lucky. And she's like, oh, hey, Will, how are you? How's your new girlfriend? Everything is wonderful. And it just seems odd. You know what I mean? It just seems odd to invite him to this dinner party with his new girlfriend. It seems odd that you're remarried, but you're living in the house that we lived in when we were married. And now you're inviting me back to a dinner party like nothing is wrong. And so you're already on edge with them at this moment. And then David is touchy feely. And that's just weird. So imagine meeting your ex's new boo and they just want to hug you and love on you. It's just odd. (laughs) And everybody's like, yay, like this is normal. Everybody's like doing that polite PC thing where we all feel uncomfortable, but we're just going to go with the flow. I don't want to be the one that's bringing down the mood. But Will is like the Debbie Downer. Like, he doesn't care. He's like, no, this is fucking weird. (laughs) Like, you can see he's visibly uncomfortable. And we as the audience are uncomfortable with him. So the night kind of keeps going on and on and on. And, you know, they're talking about how they met. You know, everybody's like, we haven't seen you in a long time. Turns out they've been in Mexico for two years. And there's this woman while Will's walking around the house is half naked and She gets introduced as Sadie. She's another friend of the group. They also met her down in Mexico. And again, everything just seems odd. Sadie seems really odd. Sadie seems really hippie, happy, just jumping all over the place like a little kid. She's just weird. And everybody's acting like, oh, okay, how how are you? But nobody's really acknowledging how weird this is. Then somebody comes to the door. And it's this big guy. And I know I've seen him in like 50 million movies. And he comes in and he just looks like this big hulking 
huge guy. He looks very solemn. He looks angry or whatever. He just arrives. The vibe is off. Sadie jumps over him. It's just like, oh, hey, how are you? She misses him. She knows exactly who he is. And again, he's a part of this group that was all in Mexico. And now everybody's interested in what happened in Mexico. And all of a sudden, Gina notices that her boyfriend is still missing. And she's been calling him. You know, there's not any good signal. Anytime you're watching a movie, a, a, a movie that's a suspenseful movie, and they're in a place that has no signal, you know it's going to be some shit. <laughs> you just know it. So they're sitting around. Gina notices that her boyfriend is still missing. She kind of goes off to try to call him. She's kind of freaking out. Like, he was supposed to have been here. He didn't call. No, he didn't call. He didn't text. He didn't do anything. So then Mexico comes up. So they decide to show everybody this video about the guy that leads the support group down in Mexico where they've been for the last two years. And they watch this video and it's just this bald guy with a black shirt, just kind of sitting, talking very mellow and you are your feelings and your heart is my heart and we are one. And, you know, we're all come from the same flesh and whatever you feel, I feel and whatever, you know, I know. And we hold hands and we exchange energy and crystals and life and stars and suns and moons and unicorns and all of that stuff. Right. And like you're watching this and it's kind of like, oh, oh, y'all was in a cult. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's literally the only thing that you walk away from this. The video, it looks like it ends and they're kind of like, oh, OK, that was cute. And then the video keeps going. And they literally watch a video of a woman who has, I'm going to, I'm using air quotes right now, cancer. I mean, there's nothing about the movie that changes that. They say she has cancer. There's nothing to disprove it. But by the end of the movie, I'm, I'm questioning everything. They say she has cancer. And it's literally just a video of her in a bed with the leader of the cult. We'll, we'll call it that. The leader of the cult. And all these other people in the room. And they're videotaping it. And she dies. And they're all happy and they're like, see, she's rid of her pain. All oh, her pain is gone. She's gone to meet her other people. This is joy. This is happiness. And everybody, of course, in the room was like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. That, that was fucking weird. That was fucking weird. Yeah, that's that's fucking weird. <laughs> and Will's just like, nope, this is just weird. He's had enough. He decides to say something. He's like. When your friend came in, you locked the doors. What's that all about? Well, I locked the doors because, you know, you never know what's going on. I, I like to feel secure in my house. He's like, no, I don't like it. It's weird. He's like, oh, okay, okay, dude. You know, just chill out. Puts the key in the door. The entire movie is kind of like this. Just kind of a looping of a, a weird situation, but you almost kind of feel like you're back and forth. You don't know whether Will is being paranoid just because the situation is weird anyway, just because it's his ex. Or you don't know if you're like, no, no, this is fucking weird. You need to get the fuck up out of here. It's one of those movies where like, you know how like you ever watched a scary movie and you decide to yourself, first of all, there's no way that any of that's true. Second of all, there's no way that any of that could really happen to me because I spot red flags. And as soon as I would have seen that three minutes into the movie, the movie would have been over, right? There would have been no, 
you know, let's go down the stairs and see what the noise is. There would have been no, let's go to the attic and check it out. There would have been no, let's go through the woods with nothing but a flashlight. There would have been none of that because I recognize red flags and I have common sense. This is one of those movies that puts all of that to the test. You've all been in that situation where you've been somewhere and something has been a little weird and you've just been like too polite to say something and things just get weirder. It's kind of like that where things are weird, but they're not so weird to where you feel like I need to leave now. (laughs) But it's one of those things where if somebody else in the room gets like really amped up, then you're like, okay, yeah. 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 No, I agree with that. Yeah. Shit's fucking weird. But for whatever reason, you don't say it yourself. You know what I mean? Like you, you rationalize away. This is, this is literally one of those types of movies. And that's what makes you so on edge because every time you see something or you go around a corner, you have the same thought that Will does. This is fucking weird. But then something happens in the movie to where it's like, oh, well maybe we were just being paranoid. Maybe Maybe we were just overthinking it. You know, maybe we're just on edge because we're at X's house and X's new boo's house. Maybe that's what the reason is. And that's what the other characters put on Will. You know, they almost kind of make him feel like, oh, honey, you're just mad because she has a new boyfriend and you're in your old house. Like, we, we understand. This is around the time where you really start to understand why their relationship and this particular dinner is like so, so important. And why when they broke up, it was such a huge, big thing is because not only were they married, they also had a child. That child lived in this same house with them and that child died. That was the reason why Eden went to support group in Mexico to begin with. That's the reason why Will now looks like a little sexy mountain man. And Will goes on these flashbacks as he walks throughout the house, just kind of reminiscing and, you know, remembering better times with him and Eden, you know, remember when they were taking a bath and, you know, their son Ty walked in on them and, you know, remembering a birthday party where apparently he passed away. They don't really go into any details as to how or why he passed away. Um, You don't see him actually die, but you kind of see all the circumstances around it. And and it was literally like the most horrible circumstances. They were literally like at his birthday party. And he was like maybe five, four or five years old. Like he wasn't even that old. And he just collapsed or I don't know. They never really truly explain, but it's devastating. And it's really one of those movies of, you know, as a human being, what do you do with your grief? You know, people do all types of crazy shit when they're trying to, like, work through some trauma. This is one of those movies. (laughs) It's literally one of those movies. This is around the point in the movie where the whole coyote thing gets brought up. Where Kira, Will's new girlfriend, kind of brings it up that, hey, on the way up. it, It seems like she was just trying to break, I don't know, the tension. I don't know. It was a weird thing to bring up anyway. But that's when it got brought up that. They actually hit a coyote on their way up to the party. And you see David kind of like, everybody's kind of like, oh, that's, oh, that's kind of messed up, man. But David is like, no, no, that's merciful. That's goodness. He has such a warm and comfortable reaction with me having to get out a tire iron and kill a coyote on the way to this dinner party that even that seems unnerving. 
So you got all these weird people. You guys have been down in Mexico for two years. Everybody's all lovey-dovey. The doors are locked. Your homeboy Pruitt's in here looking crazy. It's just a weird situation. The, the phone signal doesn't work. Choi isn't here yet. And Choi was supposed to be early. Everything is just weird. They come back. They play this game. And it's the opposite of never have I ever. Instead, it's I want. I wanna. <laughs> and when they play I wanna, um, Pruitt actually tells them a story of how he killed his wife. Fucks up the whole mood. <laughs> Just fucks up the whole mood. And again, it's kind of going back and forth with this is weird with it's weird, but is it dangerous? And you just escalate like that all night long. Let's get back to the Wikipedia. David and Eden tell their guests about a group they joined with along with Pruitt and Sadie called the Invitation to work through grief and spiritual philosophy. David shows everyone a video and the group leader, Dr. Joseph, comforts a dying woman as she takes her last breaths. David turns away, unseen visitors, and explains they were strangers looking for a party nearby. The group play a game of I Want, where Eden kisses Ben, Pruitt confesses to killing his wife and doing time in prison. David tries to stop an unsettled Claire from leaving, um, but then Claire leaves. That was an interesting point. Claire was another friend that was at the party, and Pruitt told the story about how he accidentally killed his wife. He did some time, and he joined this group, and now he's better. Then Gina does some coke. Then Eden says she want to kiss Ben. And when she says kiss Ben, she means tongue him down. Claire's like, nope, nope, I'm good. I'm good. And David kind of puts up a little front. It's like, eh, no, just stay. We're having a good time. You know, you don't, you, we don't want to make you feel weird. Everybody's having a good time. And Will's like, no, fuck that. She says she wants to leave. You let her leave unlock the door and let her leave and you can kind of see David a little shift a little and again you, you don't know what to feel you don't know to feel like is he really like stopping or halting her from leaving or is he kind of like no I mean because that would happen in real life right anything that happens at a party if somebody just gets up and leaves like there's nothing weird going on at your house I mean I hope not but you're not like trying to force people to stay if they don't want to you just kind of like no I'm sorry I didn't mean to it was one of those things then Pruitt gets up and says oh wait a minute I'm actually blocking you in you as the audience take a big gulp like oh lord and no no you're going outside with Pruitt Will has the same thought Will goes to the window and he's like now nah, let me look let me watch he's watching Pruitt get in his car move his car out the way you see Claire get into her car and back out. But then you see something happen when she turns. It's almost like she kind of hit something accidentally or something like that. I'm not sure. It, the camera angle, so the angle is off. And I think it's purposely off so that you don't know exactly what happens. But you see Pruitt kind of like, oh, oh, no, oh, no. It almost like she accidentally hit something and he went to see what it was something like that he just kind of runs down and over to her car and he walks over to the driver's side door but wherever they're going they're off frame just at that moment David walks up to Will and says hey can I talk to you 
And Will seems kind of hesitant. He wants to look outside and continue to make sure that Claire is okay. But again, it's one of those, am I paranoid? Is everything all right? And I'm just making something out of nothing, whatever. And David says, yeah, let me talk to you. You mean, you've been acting weird all night, dude. What's going on? Like, you looking at my friend, walking around to the, I mean, what do you think he's going to do? Like, steal something? Or, I mean, what do you, what do you think is happening? And he's kind of like, you know what? I, I don't know. He kind of reflects. Then they go back to dinner. While walking through the hallway, Will sees Sadie making odd faces. That was a really weird part of the movie. He literally, like, walks by her and she's in the bathroom or something like that and she's looking into a mirror and the door is cracked so you could see her through the crack in the door and she's literally like making the weirdest faces to herself in the mirror it's odd (laughs) will has a separate discussion with tommy they also have a strange poolside conversation yeah sadie literally just comes up to him and like when i say she comes up and comes on to him she's like yo why don't you go ahead and drop them draws yo and he's like um no no, no, ma'am. No, no, ma'am. And she's like, no, that's how it was in Mexico. We was just living our best life, yo. And he's like, well, we're in Los Angeles. <laughs> he is having none of it. And she is instantly irritated. So Will finally gets a cell phone signal and he gets up and leaves, walks over to the grass. He's just kind of looking out and he gets a voicemail from Choi. So it's kind of like that catch up thing your your phone does, right? So you're in a place that doesn't have any signal. Then when you're finally in a place that has signal and all of a sudden you see you have 55 missed calls, 17 voicemails and 88 texts. It's just like that. So he finally sees that he has this voicemail from Choi, literally from like before they even arrived at the party. And it says that he was there. He was at the doorstep. He got there early. He was like, yeah, I'm right outside the door. I'm walking in. Can you believe I got here early? It's literally like him all excited. He's like, yeah, I just made it here. And again, that was before that voicemail was left before him and Kira arrived. This is hours ago. Nobody's seen Choi this entire time. So at this point, David has had enough. Excuse me, not David. Oh, Lord. Will. Will has had enough. So presuming that David and Eden must have done something to Choi, Will publicly confronts the couple about their apparent cult brainwashing. Choi enters unexpectedly, explaining that he was called away by work. And when I say he let them have it, like he let them have it. They walk in, they're at dinner, they're just kind of eating. And he's like, he's sitting there. And at first he's just sitting, he's not saying anything, but you see him as the audience. We see him having flashbacks. We see him go through this set of emotions like this ain't quite right. And somebody, I don't know, says a toast or something like that. He's like, no, fuck this where the fuck is Choi? he's like i just got a voicemail from him and when he goes off then of course gina's like well what do you mean what do you mean where is Choi?" he goes off they get to arguing him and david are like come on now and he tells him he's like nope this is a cult this is a cult he literally just starts yelling this is a cult and y'all not gonna say nothing y'all just gonna sit here and act like i'm fucking crazy you don't see what's going on they showing us videos of people dying y'all just cool with all of this like he is literally like everything that will says is the same things that i yell at people while i'm watching scary movies i'm like so the phone ringing is breathing on the phone, lights is going off, and, and you just think it's okay to sit there, right? You, you just ain't going to get up. You, you ain't going to leave. You ain't going to call the police. 
You ain't going to run out the door. You're you going to run in the basement. You ain't going to run out the front door. That's what you're going to do. Oh, okay. Literally, everything that Will says is exactly what you as the audience are screaming and thinking. This is a cult. Leave. Choi was there. Now he's not there. We've been paranoid. We ain't been paranoid. This is some real shit. Y'all just don't see it. Y'all, y'all, don't see- y'all don't act like something ain't right just because he was really nice to y'all, just because he brought out the good wine. Like, he says all of that. And then when I say on cue, the doorbell rings. Nobody knows what's happening. And guess who shows up? Choi. <laughs> and everybody's like, wait, what? He's like, no, I literally just got a voicemail from him that said he was here. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I got here, left you the voicemail. And he literally got a call from work and I had to immediately leave. He's like, yeah, I've been calling and texting y'all. Like, ain't nobody been picking up. So, you know, I just made it back. Gina's all happy now. Of course, he walks in. He's like, so what's up? Why y'all so tense? Why everybody acting crazy? And now everybody's looking at Will like, God damn Will. (laughs) What I say? Will just starts crying. And literally, everything that Will was feeling, I felt with Will. Like, I was literally, I felt like Will the entire time I was watching this movie. I was like, damn, what the fuck is this movie about? Like, I don't know what to feel. I feel like I'm supposed to not trust them. And I don't trust them. I feel like something as crazy is happening. I feel like all this stuff is suspicious. I feel like I would be on nerve on edge at this at this dinner party too, just like Will is. But every time he says something or he confronts something, it turns out to be nothing. And you, he literally starts crying and he's like, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm so sorry. I'm just fucked up. I'm so sorry. Will is embarrassed by the others, assuming his residual grief over Ty's death is causing will to behave irrationally so they literally just feel like no baby he just fucked up you know his son died he's back in the same house his ex-wife has moved on and she's happy he's just a mess so will just says you know what i'm just gonna look around can i go to his old room so he goes to his son's old room and on the way back he finds a laptop and he opens it and actually like watches some videos about the invitation. So Will finds a laptop with information about the invitation, hint the movie, and their true motives to create peace through death. And he watches this little creepy video. And again, it doesn't say anything specific. It just says tonight is the night where like all of our dreams come true or we we go to our climax. It's something like that. It's that very culty Cody wording that's what's in that video and the video is all of like 48 seconds long something like that maybe a minute and while he's listening to it the guy Pruitt knocks on the door is like all right it's time to come back and he's like all right and as he comes back he notices that everybody has a glass one of those little tiny they look like wine glasses like with the stem and everything but they're really small like shot glasses So imagine shot glass wine cups. I don't know if I really said that right, but you know what I mean. (laughs) And they're pouring these drinks in them and everybody has a little glass in their hand. And David pours drinks for all the guests. And they're saying this toast, you know, to family and da da da. And they kept saying that all night. We chose you. We chose you. You're our family. We chose you. We wanted you to be here. We chose you. We want to get rid of our, all this stuff. And as soon as they make the toast, 
and they like lift up their glasses and they're about to drink. David is, they keep wanting to say David. His name is not David. Will, when I say Will goes fucking crazy and Will's like, don't drink it. Don't drink it. It's a fucking cult. It's a fucking cult. He smashes all the glasses to the ground and everything. And this girl, Sadie, the one that was like really hyper and making strange faces in the mirror all day. One of the ones from Mexico. She literally like, it's like, I fucking hate you. She's like, you ruined it. You ruined it. You ruined everything. She gets up and she just starts attacking him. She jumps after him and he's like, fuck this. And he pushes her and he ends up pushing her and she hits. She hits her head on the table and she just down on the ground. She's not getting up. She's not responding to anything. Everybody's freaking out like, oh, fuck, Will. What did you do? Now you you ruined it. Right. So everybody's focusing on Sadie on the ground. You know, she's hurt. Will is freaking out again. But then. This is when, like, the first twist happens. Gina suddenly collapses. Gina actually took a sip of the wine while everybody else was getting their cup knocked out of their hands. Gina was like, uh-huh, not me. Sip, sip. Yeah. So Gina just collapses and Gina starts foaming at the mouth. Gina's turning white. Nobody knows why. There's foam coming out of her mouth. She's shaking almost like she's having a seizure. She's literally dying. And nobody knows what's happening. They're kind of going back and forth between Sadie and Gina. And they're like, wait, man, what's happening to Sadie? They can't call 911 because there's no cell signal at the house. They can't leave because the doors are all locked. And then somebody tries to perform CPR on Gina. And wouldn't you know it, David, actually David, I meant to say David, comes out with a gun and shoots him in the head as he's trying to perform CPR on Gina. And then the dinner party takes a whole new twist. And that's when you discover as the audience, no, you aren't fucking paranoid. These people are in a fucking cult and they are trying to fucking kill all of us. <laughs> and you see Pruitt, at first you're like, oh fuck, David is fucking crazy. And then you see Pruitt's like, no, David, stop. Just, just give me the gun. Just, just breathe. Just give me the gun. And you're like, oh God, everybody's backing up. Nobody knows what to do. Everybody's scared. Everybody's screaming. Pruitt takes the gun out of David's hands. And then he shoots somebody else in the back. And then it's a full-fledged cult. Kill them all. Sadie gets up off the ground and you're like, wait, what? She grabs a knife. She goes slicing and dicing on people. Eden's there, but she's just crying like it wasn't supposed to be like this, but it was supposed to be like something though, huh? Wasn't it, Edie? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I kind of noticed that that was kind of interesting to me, that her name was Eden. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking too hard. Everybody starts to run away. Then it becomes like an actual scary movie, right? One person goes to hide by the pool house. One person goes to hide here. One person goes to hide here. And of course, you're in this huge mansion in the Hollywood Hills and all the doors are locked. And they're, when I say they're locked, I mean, they're dead bolted with a key lock. Like even from the inside of the house, you can't unlock it. You need a key to unlock the house. And again, 
Will had said something all night, like, why the fucking door is locked? And everybody said it was crazy. And there's bars on the windows now. There didn't used to be bars on the windows. You can't even get out the windows. It's crazy. Pruitt finds and attacks Will and Kira. They were hiding at this point, um, but they overpower him. And Kim, Kira beats him to death. That was my girl. Kira got him with that. She got him with a, what do you call it? Like a poker, a fire poker that you have in the fireplace. I don't know what they're called. Poker thingy. She beat him to death. Eden shoots Will. So they literally look out. They see Eden. Eden shoots Will and then literally shoots herself in the stomach. And they make it downstairs. One of their other friends, Tommy, Tommy actually attacks David and ends up killing him with a knife, stabs him. And then they tell him, hey, Eden shot herself. And he's like, oh, that's good. That's good. She's with the others now. What? Okay. They go back upstairs. Now the only survivors that are there after the dinner party are Kira, Will, and Tommy. That's it. So the only good news is that all the killers, all the people that are in the cult are also dead. So they go upstairs and Eden is still dying at this point. So as she dies, she asks Will to come with her in her final moments. And she wanted to be reunited with her son. And she said, yes, David, I, I, I keep wanting to call him David. She said, yes, Will. You know, I was hurting and I just wanted to see him again. So again, that grief took over her. She didn't know what to do. They take her outside and supposedly, it, I guess this is what she wanted. She wanted to die in the same place where her son died. They call the police. Tommy goes back in to call the police. And then that's when Will notices something horrific. And this is where the second big twist in the movie comes into play. Earlier, Will noticed that David walked outside and lit a lantern in the backyard a red lantern and then walked back inside at the time the whole thing was weird anyway so he didn't really notice it now he's noticing he stands up and he walks out and he's like oh shit Kira you are not gonna believe this Kira gets up and walks with him and she notices it too not only do they have a red lantern but there's a whole bunch of houses out there that all of a sudden are lit up with the same exact red lantern and yes, you hear police sirens and you hear copters, but you hear a lot of police sirens and you hear a lot of police copters and you hear a lot of people screaming and you hear a lot of windows breaking and you hear a lot of gunshots going off. Earlier in the movie, when they were watching that video of the woman dying, the, the cult recruitment video, David, actual David, mentioned that there were, oh, there's thousands of, of us out there, you know, in New York. LA, we're everywhere. You'd be surprised how many of us there are. And then you think back to that video that Will stumbled upon while he was walking through the house. That video that said, tonight is the night that we meet, I don't know, our destiny or whatever culty shit that they said. So Will sees various homes with the same red lantern that David lit earlier in the evening. Will realizes that Los Angeles is erupting in chaos as other cult members throughout the city carry out, carry out plans similar to David and Eden's. Because it seems like a lot of people got their own invitations. Dun, dun, dun. 
this was a hell of a movie. It was a, it's a slow burn. So again, if you're that type of person that needs action, 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 every second, every 30 seconds, this is not the movie for you. If you like those, I don't know what's going to happen. Let me twist through this. Even though I've pretty much told you the whole movie. Again, you got your spoiler alert. Even though you've gotten the entire plot of the movie. Honestly, if you still go on the journey of the movie, it can still be unnerving to you. It's so good. It's really good. So if you're looking for a Netflix flick (laughs) to watch today or to watch on a weekend or to watch with the lights on, it will make you think about invitations that you get in the mail from now on. Again, here's my red flag. It'll make you think about those red flags too. Are you that person that would just sit there at the dinner party and not say anything? Are you that person that would leave or that would get up or, or you know what I mean? Who are you? When things are weird, do you go along with the flow or do you like, nah, nah. See, my red flag a meter is, is way too high. If a friend of mine sent me an invitation, literally took the time to print up an invitation to send it to me in the mail to have me come to their house to eat. It's something already wrong. <laughs> my, fr- my friends ain't never been that formal. And if they start being that formal, let me say, if I get a text message the same day, then we doing good. I've gotten text messages like, hey, I'm cooking. You want to come over? That's how we have dinner parties. <laughs> the fact that they went to like calligraphyusa.com it got invitations printed out and sent out in the mail. Like, that would be that have been way too much for me. Nah, nah, I'm good. And I'll let, we chose you, mm-mm, baby. No, no. But you know what? I, I'd like to think I'd be that person. But I, no, I, I've been, I've been in Ubers before where I was like, mama, let me go ahead and share this ride with somebody else. Like, I, I felt a little bit weird, but I didn't know if I was being paranoid or not. This type of movie is probably going to make me extra paranoid. It's going to make me think about everything and read in between the lines on everything. Maybe too much, maybe too much, but I had a really, really good time with this movie. So again, if you're looking for a slow burn, a slow burn thriller, suspenseful, get into your mind type of movie, the invitation is the one for you. Well, now that y'all heard me talk about this movie for so long, y'all go out and see it for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. If you don't have Netflix, make sure you get Netflix. Netflix is that thing. You can get 30 days for free by signing up on Netflix.com or you know somebody with a password. Come on, we all know somebody with a password. Get on Netflix, watch the invitation. You heard it here from me. And until next time, 